Hello and welcome to Politics with the P-Plater. My name is Alessandro Rossini and today I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Senator James Patterson. We discussed a range of issues including university politics, national security and political donations. Today's episode is short but it's also sweet and full of juicy content so take a listen and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Politics with a P-Plater. Today, I'm joined by Liberal Senator, Senator James Patterson. Uh, he is the chair of the Joint Parliamentary Committee on Intelligence and Security um, and has been a Liberal Senator uh, for Victoria since 2016. Senator Patterson, welcome. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. I actually met you back in 2018. You came and spoke at my school. Mm. Um, and one of the things you mentioned was university politics and your time at university. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what role did university politics play in setting up your career? Mm. And what role do you think it continues to play in developing the future leaders mm. um, in Australia? So I was already um, a liberal before I got to university. I joined the Liberal Party uh, in year 12 at age 17. But when I got campus, got to campus, I really threw myself into it because student politics is a is a great way to kind of learn more about what you believe and why you believe it, and to kind of road test some campaigning skills in student elections. Um, in fact, I probably learnt more in student politics than I ever did studying political science as part of my degree. And one of my laments of my time at university is I probably studied too much political science and not enough of actually other useful things. I thought I'm interested in politics, so I should study political science. But it's a discipline, the way it's certainly taught at most universities in Australia, that's really only useful if you also want to teach political science yep. to other people. Yep. It doesn't teach you anything about practical mm. politics or modern politics. Um, so I, I had a great time at university. I was involved in the Liberal Club. We contested student elections. I, I got elected to the student council i was a delegate to the national union of students that was good mm. fun but um uh, i would say it's only has a, a, a limited amount of value for, for real politics mm. y- yes it's fun yes you learn about campaign techniques and you can think about what you believe but really the big issues facing the country um you can learn through your degree you yep. can learn through your professional working experience you can learn through being involved in the community yep. we're going to move on to a segment called questions without notice mm-hmm. Um, so for those at home, uh, Senator Patterson doesn't know what this question is on. So it's going to be on political donations. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is, both ma- uh, both Labor and Liberal receive quite large um, proportions of political donations, particularly from large businesses. Mm. Um, is Australian democracy for sale? Um, and do you believe uh, the system needs reform? Mm. No, it's really not for sale uh, at all. And uh, the reason why you can have confidence about that is that any meaningfully large donation has to be publicly disclosed Mm -hmm. and political parties are therefore accountable for the decisions they make uh, and the donations that they receive. Um, So it's pretty easy and the media devotes quite a lot of time and energy to this to look at who donates to political parties and to identify whether they are beneficiaries of favours by governments. And I think there's very few circumstances we can point out that anything untoward has happened. It's important for transparency that happened, but that's not to say that there haven't been risks in the past. Um, We have uh, only a couple of years ago that our government banned and foreign political donations. And I think that was important because uh, what we discovered over the last five years is that that was a source of vulnerability for our country. We had some um, very significant non-Australian citizen uh, donors, particularly from China, who donated literally millions of dollars to Mm. Australian political parties and compromised at least one Australian politician in that process who resigned as a result, Senator Sam Dastyari from the Labor Party in New South Wales. So I think it is important that only Australians are able to donate to influence Australian elections. Been in the parliament since 2016. Uh, you've seen your fair share of highs and lows. 
Do you have a funny or interesting anecdote from your time in politics that you think our listeners would be interested in? <laughs> Actually, it's funny. It's on Sam Destiari. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's a colourful anecdote. I'll think of a way to um, tell it in an appropriate way for a <laughs> podcast. But um, he, and, he and I were elected about the same time. We were young, new senators uh, together and we served on a couple of committees together. And he was a fun guy, but a guy who took a lot of risks, as mm. we subsequently discovered. And this is a, a small uh, insight into his thinking, uh, which I think kind of is quite revealing. So we'd come back from the Senate after a division. We're going back to a committee room and we're on a level of the parliament where you couldn't get through to the committee section that was roped off. Yep. And I started walking around the other way saying, Sam, we've got to get, get the other way. Um, and he's like, mate, we're senators. We can do whatever the F we want. <laughs> um, and he adopted that attitude. He walked straight through the um, the roped off area and you know marched through and thought he could do whatever he liked. And he had that attitude towards politics. He could do whatever the hell he wanted and there'd be no consequences. Well, it turns out there are consequences and uh, mm. that attitude is a very bad attitude. <laughs> That's quite funny. I'll probably say you're one of the first senators in Australian uh, recent history, at least, to point out that China poses a significant national security threat to Australia. Mm. Recently, we've seen them uh, strike a deal with the Solomon Islands, um, one of our closest partners in our region. What threat does China pose to Australia? Um, and with the election now being announced, what threat does it pose to our election and our electoral integrity? Mm. Our relationship with China has changed a lot over the last 10 years. It's gone from being what was quite a transactional economic relationship, which we both benefited from. Mm. We supplied them with things they needed to grow their country and in turn they paid very good prices to us for it and we both prospered from it. And I think most Australians would have been content for that relationship to continue in that transactional way, um, which was really typified by the free trade agreement side by the Abbott government in 2014. Mm. But uh, China's adopted a very different approach in the last couple of years in particular, a very aggressive approach yep. both domestically at home and internationally abroad, whether you look at their militarisation of the South China Sea, whether you look at um, their abrogation of democracy and freedom in Hong Kong, whether mm. you look at their repression at home against the Uyghurs in Xinjiang in particular, or now the trade sanctions campaign against Australia. Um, it's on the public record that mm. China is and has been for some time the principal source of foreign interference threat to Australia. Yep. They have sought to intervene in our elections. They have sought to uh, compromise our national security and our sovereignty. And it is a very real risk, um, not just at this election, but generally to our country going forward. And what it requires of us is eternal vigilance uh, and strength in defending our national interest. And I'm very proud to be part of a Morrison government that's done an enormous amount in the mm. last five years to address this threat, whether that's banning Huawei from our 5G network, passing foreign interference legislation, mm. establishing the foreign influence transparency scheme, banning foreign political donations. We've done a whole lot of things to um, really safeguard our democracy and our sovereignty against those threats and to make ourselves a harder target for foreign interference. And a lot of other countries are now copying our lead. The United Kingdom and the United States, who I recently visited on an intelligence committee delegation, are basically looking to do what Australia has done mm. uh, in a very similar way. So um, that threat hasn't gone away. It is still present, um, but we've come a long way. And... Look, Labor has committed to 2% defence spending, uh, which matches the government's. Um, they've also uh, supported AUKUS, the Quad Alliance. Um, how is the coalition going to try and differentiate themselves on security um, from the other major party? 
Well, there's two ways we'll do that. One is by looking at history and their record. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, Labor's promising to match our spending now, but what did they do when they last were in government, when they last had the opportunity? Mm. Well, they cut defence spending mm. to 1.56% of GDP, which was the lowest level since 1938. Mm. In six years in office, they didn't order a single naval platform, despite Kevin Rudd's defence white paper in 2009 saying Australia urgently needed 12 conventionally powered uh, submarines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we are still making up for the, the those decisions that they made then. They ripped millions of dollars out of the Australian Federal Police. They subjected our intelligence agencies to an additional efficiency dividend that effectively cut their spending by 4% every Mm. year. And Anthony Byrne, who was then the Labor Chair of the Intelligence and Security Committee, had to stand up in the Parliament and denounce his own government for the risks that it was posing to national Mm. security. So their record is there for everyone to see. In terms of the future, well, of course, before an election, when they know that national security is a strength of ours, they are trying to minimise the differences with us and adopt a small target strategy. But if they win the election, if they're in government, they won't have our homework to copy anymore. They'll have to make those decisions for themselves. And does anyone seriously think if Bill Shorten had been elected three years ago, not Scott Morrison, that we would even have AUKUS today? That Mm. the quad would have been upgraded in the way that it has to the leader level? I I seriously think there's no evidence Mm. they would have sought out those opportunities. And um, that's because they're just not as interested in national security. They don't care about it as much. And they're not, uh, they don't really understand the dangerous times we're living Mm. in and they're not living up to those dangers. You were quite close with the late Senator Kimberly Kitching, who passed away recently. She was quite a warrior um, Mm. for similar issues in the Australian Parliament. Um, Tell me, what do you think her legacy is going to be um, on the Australian Parliament? Kimberly was a great friend of mine and is a great loss to the Parliament and the Labor Party. She was an integral part of the journey over the last five years of trying to drag both major political parties to a more realistic appraisal of China. Mm -hmm. Um, She and I were co-conspirators in in that endeavour and frankly, I had a much easier job than she did to drag my colleagues to the Mm. position they're in today than she did. She encountered a lot more resistance and I think was treated very poorly. I hope that her legacy is that her colleagues reevaluate the way in which they treated her, um, realise what they have lost in her and look for other people of her strength and her conviction Mm. because if Australia is going to get through the very dangerous decade that we are now in, that we're now facing, we are going to need people of strength and conviction on the Labor Mm. side who do have an interest in national security, who do want to protect our country, who are willing to stand up. And um, there are a couple of other people in Labor that I work with uh, who I do think have similar concerns and views of Kimberley, um, but I just don't see a whole pipeline of people like her coming through on the Labor side, and that's of great concern because one day they will be in government. They Mm. might win this election, they might not, but at one time they will win and they Mm. will be in charge, and I want them to be as strong as possible when they do. Now, um, obviously Scott Morrison announced the election yesterday. Um, all politicians that we have on our podcast, we invite them to make a 30-second pitch to the mm. Australian people. So I'm going to give you that opportunity now. Mm. Uh, shoot, go ahead, make a 30-second pitch. Australia's in the most dangerous strategic environment since World War II. And what we need to get through that decade is for our country to be as strong as possible. And what we need for that is both a strong economy and a strong plan for our national security and defence. And I think very clearly the Prime Minister, the Treasurer, our Defence Minister have outlined what our plans are in those areas, whether that's the budget which we just handed down, which deals with cost of living pressures and cuts taxes and has a plan to grow our economy, whether it's AUKUS or our defence acquisition plan that we're going to roll out over the next decade. We know what we need to do to get Australia through this difficult time. The Labor Party does not. Anthony Albanese is a weak leader who has no plans and I think would put our national security and our economy at risk at the worst possible time for our country. And I'm even more concerned that he might be reliant on the Greens and independence mm. in, as part of a minority government. That would be the weakest government Australia has had in many, many years mm. and it's the, not the time to be weak, it's the time to be strong. 
I do want to ask you really quickly on minority government. Um, Julia Gillard's prime ministership has been regarded as quite successful because she passed over 300 pieces of legislation in her time in office. Is minority government a bad thing um, or is it good because it forces debate? I can tell you Labor MPs do not regard that as a successful time in office because it ended up with them getting turfed out in a very big swing. And I think the numbers of bills that a parliament or a government passes is a very poor measure as mm. whether you're a good quality government or not. Mm. We could pass a piece of legislation every day. It doesn't mean it's good and it doesn't yeah. mean it helps the country or makes us stronger. Um, and the result of the um, Gillard minority government experience is that no politician wants to admit that they'd be reliant on a minority government. But we've seen with um, Adam Bant's comments yesterday when he launched his own campaign, the Greens objective is to have a minority government. And his forecast is it's not possible for Anthony Albanese to win government outright and then he will have to form a minority government with them uh, and just imagine what that would do to our country mm. I mean the Greens have a policy of halving defence spending I can't think of anything more insane mm. while we see war in Ukraine while there is a sadly threat of conflict in our own region to halve government spending on defence but that's exactly what the Greens want to propose with Labor in office so um, I hope whatever the result of this election is whether we win or we lose I hope it's a strong majority government mm -hmm. the truth is though really only the coalition has the ability to deliver that mm -hmm. Labor can't deliver that but based on the electoral map Senator James Patterson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. To keep up to date on future content, please visit our Instagram page, p underscore underscore politics. My name's Alessandro Rossini, and you've been listening to Politics with a P Plater.